0: You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Now, Paul Scanlon, I I heard his his testimony one day. I was listening to this, and he told how as a 15-year-old he got saved in Bradford. And if you understand Bradford, it's just like hilarious. It's amazing. He'd started speaking in tongues, and he'd be charging the kids at school 50p to come and listen to him speak in tongues. You know, one of (laughs) the... One of the elders in the church realised this is not a good idea and sorted that out. One day, this lady comes up to him, an older lady, and says to give him some advice. She said to him, young man, pray, read your Bible and do as you're told and you'll be okay. And he says, I've been doing that ever since. I pray, I read and I do as I'm told. I don't think he does actually. That is the title of my message today. Do as you're told. Do as you're told. Deuteronomy 6 says this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. So listen, Israel. You go to Psalm 95, verse 7. For he is our God, we are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If you would only listen to his voice today, if only you would listen to his voice today. Go to Mark chapter, chapter 9, verse 7. They're all sevens, Chad, the verses. They're all sevens. Makes it easy to remember. And this is a transfiguration. And it says this, Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud says, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. I'll tell you, if I was there, I'd say, Yes, anything you say, I'll do it. Listen to him. Go to the book of Revelations. There's a lot of this. And typical Revelation chapter 2, verse Seven, yep. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. How many churches? Seven. I just thought, he's just testing me. <laughs> he just, this is going to get very interactive. So the anointing here today is that of ears being Opened. And you're thinking, is that physical or in the spiritual or what? You name it, it could be. It could be all of that. But it is for ears to be open. So God expects us to listen to him. He's always speaking to to us. Mal said that last week. God is always speaking and he expects us to listen to us. And he's got good reason for that because he needs us to hear stuff. Not just hear stuff. But listen to stuff. How often do we hear stuff we don't actually listen? But he wants us to listen to him. He wants to, to relate to us like a father, like a parent, like a friend, someone in a loving relationship. So we need to listen to him. Also... We can look at our Lord Jesus as being our commander, our commander-in-chief. And he has strategies for our life. He has a plan for our life. He has a battle to fight, and we're part of that. So we, as his people, as his troops, so to speak, need to hear the voice of our commander. Go here, go there, do this, do that. Go over and talk to that man in that chariot, and, and tell him a few things about Jesus, and A man gets saved and a whole nation becomes Christian. So we need to listen to him. We need to hear the voice of God. Folks, I've discovered a few things on the way. Being a Christian isn't always easy. I used to think, when I used to look at these Christians, that... Once you became a Christian, everything was easy. You didn't worry about anything. You didn't struggle about anything. You seemed to have plenty of everything. You were just perfect. It didn't work for me. So being a Christian isn't always easy. It's hard being good all the time. Except for Mal. He probably manages. But the rest of us, you know, last about three or four days. He probably lasts a week. Some of us don't even last ten minutes. I'm going to be really good. So we need God. We need God to be good and have some of his goodness. And furthermore, when you are a Christian, you are a good person. And God is doing stuff in you and it shows. And there's people around you see that there's something different about you. There's something, uh, there's a vibe about you that draws them to you. And it's Jesus. And so people start making demands on you because of who you are and what you are. And that can become wearing. And so... We need more than human strength to cope with all of that. But that's part of who we are and what God calls us to be, is not it? Then, if you're in so-called ministry, as a pastor, as a leader, as an elder, in some form of ministry, there are other types of demands. The fact is, if you are a Christian, you have a ministry, whether it's formal or official or not. You have a ministry. People need you, people want you, and stuff happens. And when you're in, say, pastoral ministry as leading a church, it can be demanding, it can be draining, it can be overwhelming. You can hit the wall, you can get burnt out. So you need God. You need to hear his voice. You need to know his presence. You need the Holy Spirit. And when we have the Holy Spirit, we need to listen to him. And the Holy Spirit will remind you as A son of God as a daughter of God, he will remind you of what Jesus has done on the cross for you. How often do you think about (coughs) the cross and what that means for you? That this son of God died on the cross because you are so absolutely loved and treasured to set you free from your guilt, your pain and your sin. And how so often we still live and sit in that sin, guilt and pain (coughs) and Don't grab hold of what he's given us. Freedom. So we have freedom and life and hope because of the cross. Holy Spirit reminds us of that stuff. And so we need to listen to his voice. And so Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to his followers. That, I'm not going to be here, but the Holy Spirit will come and it'll be just like I'm here. And you people are going to do absolutely incredible things. And so the day of Pentecost comes. We... Had Pentecost a few weeks ago. Chad really ripped into it that day, <coughs> ripped the place up with Pentecost. So you should, because Pentecost really <coughs> changed everything. What a day. Wouldn't an amazing thing to be there, Pentecost. I mean, there's been other great outpourings of the Holy Spirit <coughs> over the last 2,000 years, but Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes like. Like a mighty wind from heaven, like tongues of fire. And so the Holy Spirit comes and they start speaking all these other languages they never learnt, and they known languages in the known world. And there's all these people out there in the street, and they've come to Jerusalem for the Passover and now <coughs> probably stay for the Pentecost festival. And they can hear the languages of the countries they're speaking in, being spoken fluently with a Galilean accent. You know? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is pretty amazing, you know sort of probably about like a court accent or something like that. <laughs> I can say that a part of my life is in court. and so and this crazy stuff is going on now. are they speaking in unknown tongues i don 't know there 's lots of arguments about that, and you can get caught up in this one and forget the whole point of Pentecost comes. The Holy Spirit comes and does crazy things, and people are saying they 're drunk and uh, Peter says, no, it's not at nine o'clock in the morning. Who gets drunk around here at nine o'clock in the morning? So what were they doing? I spoke, I was talking to someone once. He didn't really like all this Holy Spirit stuff today. And I was saying, well, you know, he didn't like the phenomenon, <coughs> the strange behavior. And he's saying, saying, yeah, but I said, what about They behaving like They're drunk. He said, oh, well, it's serious. It's because they were speaking in languages they'd never learnt." And I thought, you know what? I know what drunkenness is. I know what drunk people look like. And I can tell you that when someone is rolling drunk, they're lucky to speak in English fluently, let alone a language that they've never learnt with a Galilean accent. Anyway, so they were, they were rolling around, they were jerking, they were shaking, they were falling over, they were laughing, they were weeping. Basically, that's how I behave when the Holy Spirit turns up. You probably wonder why I'm doing that. No, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm blaming someone else. I can't help it. <laughs> I can't, I can't. I'll get back into that in a bit. Now, I forgot where I was. No, I haven't forgotten where I was. And so the Holy Spirit... Peter gets up and preaches this amazing sermon. 3,000 people get saved. The church starts and... A whole bunch of people together look like Jesus and do a heap of Jesus stuff. So we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to speak <laughs> into our lives. Look, the Holy Spirit knows all our thoughts. Yes, and that one too. And that one. <laughs> trouble is I'm preparing this message and knowing what's going on in my head. And I thought, oh dear. He knows <laughs> every aspect of our lives he's within us the Holy Spirit is indwelling and so how can he dwell in me and how can he be dwelling in you and across the universe all at the same time inquiring minds want to know I don't have to know I just want to know and Jesus when he walked this earth he was truly human and truly God, (coughs) he was truly, he wasn't God dressed up in a human body, (coughs) he was truly human, and so all the supernatural stuff of Jesus was to do with the Holy Spirit, (coughs) so when he was hungry, he needed to eat something, when he was tired, he needed to sleep, when he was unhappy, he needed cheering up, he needed all of that, if he fell over, he'd probably graze himself, if you cut him, he'd bleed, So so he was truly human He had feelings He he had feelings He had sensations He had everything like us The only thing he didn't do He didn't sin Outside of that He knows what it's like to be you and me And so the power he had Comes from the Holy Spirit When he was baptised The Holy Spirit came upon him And after that he started doing his stuff Healing the sick Casting out demons Hey this is the same power we get we got that same power. We have the authority and the anointing and power to do the stuff that Jesus does. And so he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you think, how can he be filled with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit be totally in him, totally in you. How does this work? I don't know. You thought I was going to give you an answer, didn't you? (laughs) I don't know. And what I do know is that it's not that complicated, it, but it's really hard to understand. You know the whole thing of Jesus, the Spirit being in me, and I'm in the Spirit, and Jesus in the Father, and all that stuff. It's not that hard to understand. It's not that hard. It's not that complicated. It's just hard to understand. And when you try and work it out, and in your head. It just gets really complicated. And so you start writing chapters. You start writing books. You start writing volumes about this stuff. And no one can understand it anyway. And if you just try and hold it in your head, it just gets complicated. Sometimes we need to believe what Jesus says through his word. Believe it. Relax with him. And accept it. And somehow, deep within, we actually do understand. It makes sense. But... We don't have the words to explain it. Hey, how's that for a way out? How's that for a way out? But you know, it works for me. At the end of the day, we need the Holy Spirit and we need to listen to him. Sometimes we get so busy talking about God, we get so busy reading books about God, We get so busy even reading our Bibles, we actually don't listen to God. We don't hear him. Now, God will speak through people. He'll speak through through the Bible and even other stuff we'll read. Sometimes God will speak through that. But so often we're so wound up in this stuff, so busy with it, that we just miss what God is saying. And you know and I know that someone will be speaking, all of a sudden in all of that you hear God speak. Or well, you're reading something. <coughs> I remember when I saw Sister Act two. God spoke to me all the way through that. I bawled through most of the movie because I was going through a fairly difficult time in ministry. And there's all these little one-liners, and it was like God was just saying, "That's for you. That's for you." I bawled all the way through the movie. People would think this is a funny movie. Why is he crying? <coughs> but we get so busy with stuff sometimes we miss it. But God does speak. And sometimes he can be really clear. Now i got this friend, his name's Graham Hoare. He recently retired as the pastor of <coughs> Torrens Valley Christian Centre up at St Agnes. And i go up there and preach. We had a long associate with them. They might be friends of ours forever. And uh, they planted that church around 1996, I reckon. It was, it was roughly around then. But a couple of years or so before that, he and his wife were leaders in a large church, a vibrant church, evangelical church, a charismatic church that belonged to a traditional denomination. And that denomination was starting to become more and more liberal and <coughs> heading down a path where the whole thing of, 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 of being gay or lesbian in ministry, in leadership as pastors was becoming more and more looking like it was going to be accepted. So, a couple of years before they planted that church, he was in church one day, church had been fine, and God spoke to him. He spoke to him audibly. Now, Graham doesn't get audible messages from God (coughs) that often, probably only a couple of times he got this. And God said to him, Do you want this for your grandchildren? And he said, You know, he said, I didn't have any grandchildren then. In fact, My kids were still teenagers and none of them were looking like even getting married at that particular time. But God said, do you want this (coughs) for your grandchildren? That sharpened his mind to to the future. And within a year or so, they had planted planted Torrens Valley Christian Centre. So God can speak audibly like that. You need to take notice of what he's saying. A few years back, maybe seven or eight years ago, maybe less... (coughs) I was in Rundle Mall and I'd been to the dentist and uh, I'd come out of the dentist and I was probably feeling a little bit sorry for myself, you know, you wouldn't feel sorry for yourself coming out of the dentist but I was, feeling a bit fragile, a bit vulnerable, uh, Yeah, finances had been really tight around about that time and I was thinking I've got to pay for this darn car park, I want a coffee. And then over there, <coughs> there's one of these people selling the, the magazine, The Big Issue. They're usually homeless people or people with disabled, people who are really struggling. And it's a really great deal that the people who produce this magazine give them a significant part of the, the takings of that magazine. It's, it's, really, it's a really generous part that they get. And often they're standing out there all day holding this up, people ignoring them. I don't buy the magazines, but this day I was just feeling a little bit inwardly turned. And I thought, oh, I don't want to buy a magazine. And I, and I heard the voice of God speak within me. I can't say I've ever heard it audibly. <laughs> and it said something like this, of course you can afford it. Go and buy one. Don't be Ikey. <laughs> I thought, okay. I did as I was told. <laughs> I did as I was told. I went over. I said, hi. Hey, he and he, suddenly this despondent looking man just becomes this bright looking human being and I said hey, give us one of the magazines and I said what's your name and he shook hands and I said you want a coffee, went and got a coffee and we chatted away and I went away set free from something really just lifted, <laughs> just lifted and at times where I think I want to dodge these, go, no 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 matter what I can always afford, it. I can always afford six dollars for a and by the way it is actually a really decent magazine it is a really decent magazine. It is just not about homelessness or being, or being down and out. It's a really decent magazine. So I'll tell you that. <coughs> and all of a sudden, these people become real people alive. And you talk to them. You haven't ignored them. And that's, that is a generosity on its own. <coughs> now I'm going to tell you this one. When we started Southern Gateway Church... <coughs> There was this young couple who'd been just sort of coming on and off to our previous church. I was a pastor of a large church here in Victor Harbor, belonging to that same traditional denomination, and that had really, by that time, the denomination had really gone down a track that <coughs> Maureen and I weren't going to go. And so it was time for us to leave, and we, we were starting the church. So John and Lindy, they were a couple in our church, and some people know exactly who I'm talking about, and. Uh, Fifty. they weren't here today. And and uh, they were staying up at the night before, they were up at his dad's place, a had a property up the top of Wollonga Hill. And they're up then his dad's saying, Oh, we can do this tomorrow. And John saying No, no, can't do it tomorrow. We're going to church tomorrow. Oh, go next week. No, no, we're starting a church tomorrow. And that was really interesting. That everyone who was involved was saying, We're starting a church tomorrow. And so he said his dad says, Oh, okay. And so at two o'clock in the morning. A voice wakes John up and says to him, you've got to be in church in the morning. And John says, he's awake now. He says, but I'm going to be in church. I said I'd be in church. And the voice says, but you've got to be in church in the morning. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll I'll be there. The next morning I got there pretty early and he was there with a few other guys setting out cables and they were absolutely pumped and ready to go. God speaks. John will say later, that's when he really met Jesus. At that, at that point, that's when he really met you. But you got to be in church in the morning, wow. folks. We live in a pretty noisy world. It's pretty quiet in here, but there's still noise. I could hear stuff, things humming behind me. Everything is noisy. There's stuff humming in the house. The fridge is going. Air conditioner's going. This is going. Tablets are going, the phone's going, your, your devices are making weird noise trying to get your attention There's traffic, there's cars, <coughs> planes going over here Where we are, we're near the golf course, we can hear all sorts of strange things coming from there We've had helicopters doing circuits over our house for, for a whole Sunday afternoon once, which is pretty unnerving So we live in a world where there's just a lot of noise and hubbub, hubbub you go down to the shopping mall, there's crowds, there's traffic, or well, we think it's traffic, and it's just noisy. Head up to Adelaide, there's more cars, there's more noise. Get into the city, there's people everywhere, more noise, more noise, more hubbub. A few years back, More and I, well, it was about four years ago, More and I went to London. We got off the plane at Heathrow, and that was pretty spacious, that was good. Got on the train to go into London, it's about half an hour or so in, we they? first lot to get on by the time we get there it was jam-packed with people and they'd get to a station and the platforms are full of people, people would pour off, people would pour on and it's like how are we going to get off here How are we go? and people were actually helping us with our luggage, they'd probably say oh poor old bloke you know <laughs> and, and, uh, but that, that was fantastic, at the time we'd been there a few years before they'd just walk over you if you, if you slipped but it was different and interestingly, most of the people are helping us. They'll grab a case. So i will help with that. And, and upstairs, and that were mainly young women. It was really an interesting thing. And they'd grab off. They'd go. And so we, we sort of were going up these stairs. They finally came to this massive escalator that seemed to disappear into the heavens. And there's people coming from... All directions, there's people everywhere. And Maureen said, we're never going to get on that escalator. I said, yes, we are. Just put your head down and just look at it. Don't look at anyone. Stay behind me. Stay close and we'll survive. Stay, stay close and we'll survive. Don't lose your nerve. <laughs> and we walked that escalator. And funny, we just got in there and got off in Euston Station. Then we got in there and then we're looking at the station. There's this massive concourse. There's hundreds of people there looking up at a notice board. And there's all these stations, all these these train times coming, timetables coming up, and where to catch them. And then they disappear. All of a sudden, bang, and off they'd go. And then there'd be another lot. And I'm sitting there, and I said to the morning, do you know, I reckon I'm going through culture shock. I went to Africa. I never had culture shock there. Came back, never had culture shock come back. But I reckon in the last few hours, I've seen more people that live in the whole of Victor Harbour. It was crazy. They're so, we live in a world full of noise. And what's more... <laughs> We have so much noise in our heads. We have so much noise in our heads. We, we're thinking about our kids and our family. We're worrying about this and there's this, this and that. And there's our health and there's our finances and there's the things we want to do and the things we wanna, don't want to do and the issues that we're having with people and the issues that have. All this stuff goes on in your head and it's noisy for some of us It keeps you awake at night because it's so (laughs) darn noisy. And so often we miss what God is saying because they're the noise of our world and the noise in our head. Some people go on silent retreats. Could you cope with that? No, I couldn't. (laughs) I couldn't. I need someone to talk to. (laughs) So sometimes God has to get our attention. And all of us have a lot of noise from time to time going through our heads, and sometimes we don't even know it's there. Sometimes <coughs> it's been there for that long, you're just used to it, and the only time you ever notice it's not there if it just switches off. So there's a lot of noise. So you've got in Acts chapter 10, <coughs> you've got this story where this Roman officer who's a devout man has a visit- visitation from angels, God tells him some stuff, and Eventually, he's to go send soldiers to go and get Peter to come and speak to them. So, from verse 9, this is what happened. "'The next day, as Cornelius's messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon. He was hungry, but while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and saw something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners.' In the sheep were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Wow. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheep was suddenly pulled up to to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean. And so God had to get Peter's attention to do something. See, Peter had a lot of noise in his head and it was his fixed ideas, his fixed ideas about Jews and Gentiles and who God was interested in and who God wasn't interested in. His ideas were that fixed. There was that much noise in his head about these things that it had never occurred to Peter that God loves Gentiles, that the cross was to do with Gentiles. So Jesus ministered basically, mainly to, 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 to the Jewish people, occasionally to the Samaritans, but mainly it was to the Jewish people. So Peter had these fixed ideas. There's just a lot of noise in your head you don't even know there. And, and God has to break through this. So he does something that's absolutely abhorrent to a Jew. Gives him a vision of all these things like lizards and snakes and stuff that Jews are not going to eat. Anyone eating a lizard here? No? Okay. I think I have. (laughs) So it gives him this vision, killing it. And he starts arguing with God. Think about it. He'd sooner argue with God than eat something that... In the past was unclean it's crazy this really rattles peter it rattles his pet ideas it rattles his fixed ideas but god broke through that clutter in his head and peter did something amazing and so these romans turn up at his door he'd already been just pre- be prepared that he was ha- going to have to go into somewhere that he was going to be uncomfortable and he realizes when these romans turn up this is into the unclean world into the gentile world goes to Cornelius' house goes there even for him to go into the house was a no no and to eat there emotionally he just would struggle with it he wouldn't be able to do it and he does it he goes there and he preaches the gospel the holy spirit falls People get saved, people get filled with the Spirit and start speaking in tongues. And so he realises that, hey, God actually has a plan for these Gentiles. And he loves these Gentiles. Now that is a challenge for the church. So often we think about God's plan being for us in the church and don't get too concerned about those who are not in the church. But the fact is, that's what we're here for. To take the message of the gospel to the Gentile world, to the community around us and recognise that being in church is really for them and we get the benefit of it. This changed the whole thrust of the gospel. Up until then, it was to the Jewish world and after that, it started spreading out into the Gentile world and so Paul comes along and it spreads across the known world and so it challenges us that we look beyond our own walls, so to speak, beyond the churches, into a community that is dying and that needs Jesus. And we have the answer and the answer is Jesus. And so we need ourselves to know that, that on the cross we are set free, that we have life and we have hope. And we want to share that with someone. We need to have that thing in our, in our hearts. We are beggars who have been given something by God and we're going to show another beggar where to find it and in a way they can find it. So Peter just does something that was so different but the noise in his head had to shut off. So what does God have to do to get your attention? Give you a vision? Disrupt? Your, your fixed ideas and understandings start clearing away the clutter in your head what does he have to do to do something with the messy stuff in his head to get past that what does he have to do to get past our despair and despondency I'll tell you what he did in the Bible he did, we'll go to the book of Kings 1 Kings chapter 19 this is what happened there One of my favourite bits of the Bible is this 1 Kings 19. So in 1 Kings 18, we have the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. (laughs) Israel had become so pagan it wasn't funny. There's a few (laughs) believers left, but not too many. And the place was just overrun with pagan prophets and priests and stuff like that. So he's on Mount Carmel and he's having a shootout, basically, with the prophets of Baal and Asher, And there's 850 of them. And so the idea is, you set up an altar a sacrifice to your gods, 850 of you, and I'll, I'll set up this altar and sacrifice to my one God. Who is the true God? And we'll see who's God around here. You could call out to your God to light the barbecue, I'll call out to my God to light the sacrifice, because that's about all yours is good for. And so these guys spend all day praying and jumping and dancing and cutting themselves and every now and then Elijah just go and taunt them a bit, come on, perhaps he's deaf, perhaps he's gone to the toilet and things like that, it tells you that in there and, and and nothing happens why? because their gods aren't real, then Elijah at the right time calls out to God fire flashes down from heaven consumes the consumes the <coughs> sacrifice, burns to, consumes the fire, the rocks are all burnt up and the water that's all around, that just goes and everyone's saying yeah the lord the lord is god it proves that he is god so that's a pretty good afternoon's ministry isn't it and then he elijah had also prophesied and called a drought into being and the nation had been suffering a drought for three years and basically starts prophesying and to the end of the drought and these clouds eventually start appearing and this massive rain still like mega monsoon just starts drenching the place in the meantime he's run off back to the city going at superhuman speed in the power of God you've got to say what a day what a day you know you're doing crazy stuff up on Mount Carmel you're prophesying monsoons into being (coughs) and you're running faster than any Olympic champion I'd like to be able to do that so you'd think the next day he would be doing well no 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 He hit the wall. He'd hit Monday morning's pastor's blues. He'd he'd hit that. I've been in ministry for a long time. I don't sort of hit it now because I don't have the full responsibility of a church. But Mondays are sometimes a bit of a drain. But back in the day, (coughs) Monday I go, Oh dear. Yesterday was amazing. Yesterday it was, a, But somehow yesterday didn't carry me into the next day. And I think, people say, oh, good thing you have Monday off. I don't want Monday off. I, I don't want Monday to be like a recuperation day or convalescence day. I need to, I, 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 I need to have a day off that we can, more and I can go and do something. So we'd have Tuesday or Wednesday off. Monday would just be paperwork, putting stuff away. Anything that you didn't have to be creative and use too much emotional energy because there wasn't much of that left. C.S. Spurgeon that famous preacher from a bygone age at 23 was pastoring a church of 5,000 people he would preach to 5,000 people on a Sunday how do you do that without a microphone but he did on Monday morning there'll be people selling his they'll be taking notes and they'll be printed up that night and they'll be on the streets the next morning selling for about a penny a copy of his sermons that's how amazing a preacher was we could try that tomorrow, you know, we could, we could get them, our sermons written up and sell them down the mall, see how far we get but it said, and it's documented, that on Monday morning he would be in that depth of depression he would be sobbing and crying and, and he was an absolute, absolute wreck you know, he was just had it and somehow he'd get himself back together get ready for Sunday and do it all again, did it for years and so Elijah is in this position. And so he'd been hearing God really well. And somehow all he's hearing is Jezebel's going to get him. So he runs for his life. Goes to sleep somewhere. An angel wakes him up with some food and tells him to eat. And then he wakes up a bit later, and the angel makes him eat a bit more. And he goes for 40 days and 40 nights. I'd like some of that food because it lasted him 40 days and 40 nights. I'd like some of that. So 1 Kings... This is he thinking, where's this going? It's a good story, but where's it going? So 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 8. So he got up, ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now... I have my take on, these, on, on, how, on what's going on here. And so this is my take. I'm reading into this how it sounds. okay? And this is how Elijah answered. Oh, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you and they've torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets and I'm the only one. Left. Now they're trying to kill me too. You know, he is really despondent. He is really down. He, the noise in his head is, is despondency. He hears God, but he's just not listening to God. There's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference there. He's not listening. And so God says to him, at least he did what he's told. Go out and stand before me on the mountain the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire and the Lord was not in the fire, but after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Sounds like the noise is going. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he answers exactly the same words. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. And I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me, if they can. I just added that last bit. I just So, something changes Elijah starts not just hearing God he starts listening to God God what I'm saying here is God got his attention God got his attention so what does God have to do to get your attention split rocks maybe he does or maybe you just start listening to him you learn to listen to him and you might say how do I do that I'll tell you, I actually know the answer to this one. This is how you learn to listen. You just start listening and you keep doing it. That's the best way to learn to listen. You just start listening. It's not that hard. You just got to make an effort. How often have you been in conversation with someone and they're telling you something and you're thinking about what you're going to tell them? and you're not listening properly, or you're thinking about <coughs> going and get a coffee, or what you've got to do later on that day, and you're sort of half listening and, 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 and responding sort of, except sometimes you respond wrongly, or you're telling someone something, yeah, something, and you know that they're not listening to you, you know their mind is elsewhere. So we need to learn to listen, to shut the other stuff off. <coughs> How does a kid know that you as an adult take them seriously? You listen to them. When a kid comes running in with something and they're telling you, and you might say, Oh, yeah, that's nice, dear. You haven't heard a word. The kid kid, and the kid knows it. But when the parent gets down with that kid and they start telling them telling you this stuff, and it may be childish stuff, and you might it may be not stuff as important, but it's important to them. And you listen to them, and they know that this big person takes them seriously, will always listen to them. They will probably grow up that way and listen to people. And how do adults know you take them seriously? You listen to them. And so we learn to listen by listening. We learn to listen by listening. (coughs) So we need God. We need to hear his voice. We need the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We need to open our minds and hearts to him open our minds and hearts to his voice coming out of the scripture, out of people. Sometimes when he speaks, he speaks audibly. Some people have heard him speak audibly. I haven't, I liked it. Most of us have heard the voice of God within us and we, we know we've heard that voice. We we know it for word for word. And sometimes we hear the voice of God, but there's no words, but we know exactly what he's saying. And then there are other times he speaks to us within. We know what he's saying, but we actually don't have the words to explain it. Now, I'll give you an example of something happened to me once. <clears throat> a few years back, we, Maureen and I went up to a conference, what was Morphabale Baptist now, and it's Harvest Christians Church. What's it called? was church went up, went up there, and it was just an amazing thing. There was all these South Americans, Pentecostal South Americans, <coughs> doing the ministry. Most of the stuff was all interpreted, and it was just—but it was terrific. And there was this guy. His name was Pablo Batari. <laughs> Malcolm's having a laugh here. Sounds hilarious. Tell you what, <coughs> Pablo Batari was this little guy about so big, so slightly pear-shaped with grey hair, it looked like everyone's cuddly grandpa. And you know what? He had probably 20-odd grandchildren, so he probably was pretty well everyone's grandpa. (laughs) But also, he ran the deliverance ministry for an evangelist called Carlos Anacondia, who in South America is absolutely massive. Millions and millions and millions of people have been converted to Christ through the ministry of uh, Carlos Anacondia. He would eclipse Billy Graham, I want to say <coughs> he 's absolutely <coughs> staggering, and they discovered in South America that many people that many people when they got saved, were demonized, and they were realizing that people are getting saved, but they, they couldn 't retain them and so so they started doing deliverance ministry, so you get saved immediately you go into what they call the ambulance tent, and they just start doing deliverance people in South America. you have a mixture of you have a mixture of, of pagan religions and Catholicism all mixed together. There's a whole heap of demonic activity and stuff. And so people get delivered, and their retention rate is something like 80-odd percent of people who get saved in those events and, and, and are part of a church 10 years later. In our system, in the Western world, it's only a few percent, and that's been documented. So he ended up, he, he ended up, running all this. He also used to be their barber and cut everyone's hair as well. So that's where we started. He went to cut Anacondia's kids' hair. and he had 12 kids. And so, so he was here. And he was just like just such a warm, lovely guy. So this particular day, they're going to do ministry and impartation. So they ran the tapes out across the church where you'd stand. You've ever seen that? Yeah, so ran the tapes. That means people don't fall on each other. And ran those tapes out. So I'm stood on this tape. And they're going down and they putting their hands on people and people are falling to the ground. They put their hand on me, I stay on my feet. I very rarely will go to the fall, fall down. Very rarely, very rarely anything would happen <coughs> on there. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to stay here. I, want, I, want, I really want something to happen here. <coughs> anyway, after a bit, I was worshipping and I just got down on my knees on the table and he comes along and he's just going and putting hands and he said something, but I don't know what he said because it's in Spanish. <coughs> and, and next thing, I just went flying. This never happens to me. It's like, I can remember that leg was going like this, as if a big spring had been pulled, and my arms are going like this, and it was just like incredible. And then finally I sort of got up from that, and I was just kneeling there, and I was crying my eyes out, and it was like absolutely an amazing thing. I wasn't unhappy. I don't know what I was. And someone comes and says, are you okay? I said, yeah. And he said, what's going on? And then I realized I didn't have any words to explain what happened there? I still don't. <clears throat> I know what happened, but I don't have any words to explain this. No, not quite now. <clears throat> and so, but after that, a few things changed. A few things changed. When worship, and this is back in the more traditional church days, which was pretty interesting. When worship had started, and God, I'd sense God sharp, and I'd be, oh, and that sort of thing. Someone said to me, "Who's was in the worship, oh, you've got something wrong with you, haven't you? I said, why? We're well, we, you know, we watching you there, going like this. I said, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you believe me or not, but that's, that's, that's what happens. And I realized i become more and more sensitive to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And within me, I was more and more sensitive. And also I realized that the ministry that I already had in the Holy Spirit also became stronger. But what actually happened? I know, I'd love to tell you, But I don't know So sometimes we just need to ask the Holy Spirit To get through the clutter in our heads God is always speaking And he's an infinite God He's an infinite God Who has infinite things to say About any aspect of your life Any aspect of your life And so he wants us to listen to him He wants to speak into us (laughs) And we know the Holy Spirit will speak into you Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 12 that you will be hauled up before courts and synagogues, but the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Luke 12:12. 12, 12, For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. So God will speak to us and he promises he will speak to us. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything... And remind you of everything I have told you. So the Holy Spirit will speak to us. And he will empower us. He will empower us to listen to God. You think, how can I do that? Well, just open your heart to him and surrender him. And listen to him and ask the Holy Spirit to, wo- to, to work within you. He'll empower us to be that Christian and to live a good full christian life that touches other people he'll empower us in whatever ministry god lays upon us he'll empower us to grow in character to become more christ-like more christ-like and stronger and he will empower us to relate to god in a loving relationship and some of us here today need to learn to relate to god in a loving relationship because that is what he wants the bottom line he will empower us to rest and to listen. <clears throat> pretty well going to finish with this. <laughs> Back in the early 2000s when I was still at the other church that, that I was telling you about, I was doing pretty well. there. Maury and I were going pretty well. We were doing okay with the church. But it was demanding. And there are times where there will be issues and there would be this and that. And I think, I really need someone who can speak into me who's been there. And somehow or other, I ended up with Andrew Evans as my mentor. And that's another story. For those who don't know who he is, well, ask someone and they'll tell you. But this is an amazing thing. The experience that this man had was unbelievable. And he, we'd just talk and he'd say, tell him what's going on. I'd tell him an issue. And then he'd tell me what he did when he had the same issue. Everything he told me was how he handled something. And that's what, he, that's what we did. And his words were simple, nothing complicated. And I learnt quickly that he didn't waste words either. And so we had this issue, what do we go about the whole thing of the sexuality thing in that denomination? And he said, well, I don't want to be seen as to enticing you out of your church. But this is what I would do. I would ask God to tell me what to do. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's not complicated. He said, if I want to know something, I tell God about my situation. I ask him to speak through prophecy or scripture or people. I asked the Holy Spirit to speak into me and tell me what to do. He says, you do that for 30 days every day, you'll know what to do. There you go. So I did. 30, I told Maureen, 30 days. On the 30th day, it was Easter Sunday. I didn't plan it that way. That's just how it happened. Easter Sunday, 2004. And so we've been up to this Easter camp that we go to every year and been doing, we do ministry there in the Holy Spirit. And the Sunday night service was like unbelievable. It's just crazy and people getting saved and healed and it was just glorious chaos. And then we eventually were on our way and we're driving through Kaipo Forest and it's like one minute to midnight. I hadn't heard the voice of God in this. And I watched it click over, tick over, flick over. And I watched it flick over. I says, well, it's midnight. 30 days are up. And Maureen says, well, what are we doing? I said, I think we're going. And she says, I think you're right. That was it. That was it. No flashes of lightning. No booming voices from heaven. (coughs) No earthquakes. Basically... Just kept asking that. And somehow, at midnight of the 30th day, we knew God had spoken. Four Sundays later, we started Gateway, morning and night. God speaks to us. He empowers us. I was at something once, and there was a man there who was running this show. He was well in his 80s, Alan Walker. Sir Alan Walker, in the 20th century, he was a giant of a figure in the Christian church. In all sorts of areas, but especially a major player in the charismatic movement in the mainline churches. And somewhere, I don't know whether it was in the 60s or maybe in the 50s, he'd been to South America and he'd seen the Pentecostal churches just busting out like crazy, just exploding and supernatural power of God and he came back to Australia and he's lying on his back lawn it's just one of those summer's days where it's so still he's lying under a gum tree and it's so still there's not a breath of breeze and he's thinking Lord can the Holy Spirit come to Australia and at that moment the gum leaves shimmered every leaf above him shimmered And it's like the internal voice of the Lord says, yes. And we know that the Holy Spirit has come to Australia over the last several decades in an amazing, amazing way where other parts of the world look to us as to what God is doing. Sometimes we need visions and sometimes we need events and sometimes he needs to split rocks to get our attention. And sometimes we just need to turn off the noise and listen. But we need the Holy Spirit for that. So what do you do with this? Two lines. Surrender yourself to Jesus. Open your heart to the Holy Spirit. And listen. And listen. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.